The Blues world was shocked and saddened to learn of the sudden passing of franchise legend Bob Plager this week at the age of 78. As he loved to say, Bobby was number five in the programs, but number one in our hearts, and he will be dearly missed in the Blues community. Our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family, and we proudly dedicate this episode of Two Idiots Talking About the Blues to his great memory. What's up, everything? It's been a somber week for the Blues, both on and off the ice. We'll cover the news and the team's poor performance. We'll also talk about what's ailing the Buffalo Sabres and how Tim Peel has been fired, so there will be no more makeup calls in the NHL ever again. It's that easy, folks. So let's get started, and let's go call tripping on the Predators because they got wordy with me in the pregame skate. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. It is Thursday, March twenty fifth. I'm coming to you from a very plain hotel room in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Ian, how's the weather in St. Louis these days? Uh, you know, it's it's not as rainy as it was last <laughs> week, but you weren't here for that, so it's the same. Yeah. It's uh, today was the first nice day. I mean, it's all been nice relatively, you know, but we've had a lot of gray and uh, I survived a gale warning. Um, gale warning. That's not something we have in the Midwest. Yeah, it's not. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, it was strange. So I'm on the top floor of this hotel and the wind was whipping around the uh, the old I guess the corner of the roof or whatever, because I'm at the top and it was like loud. And I was like, this is weird. Um, but in any case, uh, yeah. So I've been down here for a couple of weeks, but we had to get a podcast out to the people. Uh, so sorry for the Zoom recording quality, but here we are. And uh, Zoom's great as a sponsor. Yeah, absolutely. A sponsor of the San Jose Sharks. So a lot of. <laughs> A lot has happened. Obviously, the sad news of, of Bob Poiger's passing, which we'll talk about. Um, Tim Peel and that whole situation we'll get into. Uh, a lot of other things. I guess we just start with the, the, you know, the kind of the news that put a somber hue on everything for the Blues this week. Uh, the sudden, unexpected uh, loss of, of Bobby Poiger for uh, who passed away in a car accident on Highway 40 slash Interstate 64 uh, on, I guess that was yesterday, Wednesday afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. He was 78 years old. It always feels really surreal to me, and I hope this doesn't sound coarse or anything, but like when a guy who is already pretty old passes away suddenly of something that wasn't, you know, being an old person or like a heart attack or something like that. It's always, I don't know, it shouldn't matter, but it always feels extra shocking to me when it's like, oh man, he was, you know, he was fine. And then that happened. Yeah, for sure. It definitely feels like, um, it definitely feels like, you know, if you die of old age and obviously you're older, then you go, you know, you know, they lived a long, a long life, you know, and that's kind of your, 
your fall back and you're like, you know, I'm a nice full life. But then if they die of something not old age, you almost automatically think, yeah, they lived a long full life because it was 78 years, but also like it could have been longer, you know, without any old age issues. And it's like, yeah, it's, it somehow just stings even more than you'd think it could, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a bummer. I obviously, you know, I, we've been honest in the past about, you know, kind of our lack of, of a real deep knowledge of blues history. And it's certainly something I'm trying to improve on, but you know, the legacy of the Plager brothers and especially Bobby is, is hard to escape, even if you're not well-researched in blues history and, you know, his influence on the club, his just continuing and enduring legacy uh, with the team as, as part of the front office, as a coach, as everything, um, you know, just really kind of the founding father of the St. Louis Blues in a lot of ways. Um, you got to meet him once, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I was, I was meant to post a picture of me and him. Uh, when I was working at AB, I think it was the 2017 um, playoffs. And he was there as kind of like, a, I guess he wasn't necessarily the hype man, but, you know, it was kind of like a, a happy hour with like some Blues alumni and stuff that they had to stop by, like the, the office there because it's, you know, it's AB and the Blues are St. Louis and AB is St. Louis. So combine them together, get some, get some hype going. And it was, it was fun, but yeah, I got a picture with them. I talked to them just for, you know, a brief moment. So it's not like we were lifelong friends or anything, but for, you know, the little bit of time we interacted, he, he seemed like a genuine nice guy. I think um, we were playing, I think it would have been Nashville at the time because we just beat Minnesota. And I think I was telling him, you know, how you feel about tonight's game? And he's like, Oh, I think that's going to be a winner. And he goes, I just really want that cup. And I remember that specifically. And I was like, Oh man, mm-hmm. like that's, that seems to be the kind of um, the running story a lot is just that everyone's really happy that the blues were able to win a cup before he passed. And I I'm glad that they were able to do that for him and with them. And I've been watching some of those videos recently of, him kind of pacing around in TD Garden in Boston when they won Game Seven, and he just—I guess—he just gets too nervous. See, so we can—we we're the same. I get too nervous. <laughs> I look down and curl up in a fetal position. Bobby Flager probably doesn't do that. He's too much of a man. He walks around like a normal person would do. Um, yeah, he probably you know coughs, coughs deeply the way guys do, like mm, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. When he's choked up, yeah, and like it's just—it's—it's <laughs> it's very um humanizing and it's just very it's it's very humbling and it's just interesting to watch all these videos now um after he's passed to see what a what a great guy he is and it's it's interesting because i don't know if he was necessarily even all that involved with um the blues through a certain a certain portion of his life i mean you probably retire and then you're just kind of like okay i'm done you know <laughs> and kind of mm-hmm. kind of push yourself a little bit away from the sport sometimes and it seems like definitely in the last like 15 to 20 years um He's really he really embraced the team and the team really embraced him as yeah just kind of like a, a founding father if you will I, I initially thought he got grabbed in the um in the expansion draft or whatever whatever they did back then um <laughs> but there was actually a trade for him and for uh, his brother two separate trades in 1967 yeah i just heard about that actually so yeah it's it's interesting his brother um, came over with red berenson which is quite a i know i was like that's, that's quite a get especially like your first season um yeah it's just it's they're two pieces of the of blues history that are 
you know, you just can't replace. And it's one of those things too, where we've talked in the past about, he's not like, um, he's not a Bernie Federico, Bernie Federico, who in and of himself is uh, sort of forgotten about amongst, you know, NHL players, but like, he's not someone that other teams um, fan bases are going to know about and, you know, have this big long story to, career and everything uh you know it's kind of hard to be flashy and a standout player in the 60s and 70s when you're a defenseman um and you're not Bobby Orr so he's you know it's just one of those things where he's not an all-star but he's so much more than that in terms of just like character and what he brought to this organization and kind of showing players what it meant um to be a blue and especially I saw a huge outpouring you know obviously yesterday from current blues but also a lot of former blues and it was just kind of it was heartwarming to see guys like um Kevin Shattenkirk and David Backus and TJ Oshie and all these guys um Ryan Reeves and stuff just be like you know hey you know Bob Plager meant a lot to us and he really taught me at a young age you know just being in the locker room and being a presence what it meant to be like a professional and what it meant to be part of this organization and it was just really cool to see how many people he touched yeah, I think that's, you know, I, I I watched some of the interviews and some of the clips from the players. Um, and I think that was really just very apparent. Like it's no, there's no like putting on of airs or anything. It's very obvious that the affection is really genuine. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that means a lot. It's, it's interesting, you know, he, you know, it's nobody's, hiding the fact that he was not necessarily a hall of fame caliber player just for his on ice contributions. He was a very solid player, you know, but, um, but I think that legacy he has with the team is just really incredible. And I I don't know of a lot of, I I don't know of a lot of teams or communities and maybe I'm just ignorant where they have someone somewhere, you know, I mean, Stan Musial had a massive legacy with the Cardinals, but he was, Stan Musial, you know, he was a mm-hmm. super duper Hall of Famer in his own right, and then was just a towering guy anyway, you know. And um, you know, I thought Gordy Howe was another name that popped into my mind with the Red Wings, but like also he was Gordy Howe, you know, Wayne Gretzky mm-hmm. is Wayne Gretzky. Bobby just seemed to be such an embodiment of of what St. Louis and the Blues are, and like what those teams care about. That you know, it just it felt like it really feels like he, you know, all of that affection is genuine and everything. And, and so he'll certainly be missed, um, you know, I think by everybody and by the team. And, and like you said, just so thankful that he did get to see, uh, he did get to see the cup be raised. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's what, that's what, you know, is, is the, the one really nice thing that happened. So uh, he'll be missed. We'll continue to honor, you know, his legacy with the Blues. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess we can move on from that uh, and talk about another interesting story that happened this week. <laughs> like hard pivot. Interesting as a word for it. Yeah, um, <laughs> more comedic, but still kind of ridiculous. Um, the uh, firing, not even technically a firing, I guess, of Tim uh, Peel. A, a banning, a letting go. A... Who is the referee from St. Louis, right? I'm not making that up. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he um, moved here for, for some reason. <laughs> no. 
He loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. But um, I, what a strange story. I don't know. So, so people probably know this by now, but on uh, what was it like Tuesday night, I think mm. the Predators and Red Wings were playing. Victor Arvidsson was called for tripping on John Merrill in the offensive zone, even though replay showed that Merrill embellished his fall to help draw the call. Peel made the penalty call from around center ice. Uh, with 12.42 remaining in the second, the Nashville broadcast captured audio from Peel saying, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking penalty against Nashville early. Um, there was a lot of talk about this immediately in on Twitter and everything, because obviously it was a, a very damning clip of something that we all know happens all the time, you know, makeup mm-hmm. calls and, and intentional calls like that. We know those things are going on. Nobody's nobody, but the NHL themselves is trying to deny or hide from that. And so it was just an interesting circumstance of like, well, they are faced with this in a really real, really undeniable sense, but at the same time, are they really going to do anything when we all know this is status quo? And a lot of folks, you know, I saw Steve Dangle and Greg Wyshynski and those types tweeting about it. were basically saying, yeah, nothing's going to come of this. And then next morning we woke up and they basically let him go. Now, admittedly, Peel was just months from retiring anyway. Uh, but NHL Senior Executive Vice President of Hockey Operations, Colin Campbell, who himself has had some dalliances with the referees that we'll touch on in a little bit, uh, had this to say about the firing. He said, nothing is more important than ensuring the integrity of our game. Tim Peel's conduct is in direct contradiction to the adherence of the cornerstone principles that we demand of our officials and that our fans, players, coaches, and all those associated with our game expect and deserve. There's no justification for his comments, no matter the context or his intention. And the NHL, uh, the National Hockey League, will take any and all steps necessary to protect the integrity of our game. Um. (laughs) <laughs> you put in the notes here thoughts on this sole incident that only tim peel has ever uh participated in and yeah i mean i think that's the that's the just flaming hypocrisy of this um it's it's just ridiculous i mean it's absurd we know we know that makeup calls happen constantly you know we t- i listened to puck soup today or part of it and it's just like it's all this stuff. It's like if it, if it's a game that's tied in the final three minutes, final five minutes, you know there's not going to be a penalty called. Mm-hmm. If a team has a one goal lead with ten minutes to go, you know there's going to be at least one penalty called against them. Penalties are happening all the time on the ice, so it's very subjective when they're called, and the rhythm of the game always determines when they're called. So it's just it's ridiculous. You know, I'm not I'm not a stand for t- Tim Peel. Apparently, again, according to Puck Soup, he had a reputation as a terrible referee. I can't be bothered really to know <laughs> the reputation of individual NFL, NHL referees, but I trust them. Um, but, you know, either way, I feel like <sighs> this is just stupid. I don't know. Give me your thoughts because I'm frustrated by it and I don't want to rant before you get a chance to speak. <laughs> no, no, it's. I... It feels like we wanted, um, I think you were kind of embodying it when we were texting back and forth, but like you kind of want something to happen. You're, you understand this happens all the time. So there isn't really any outrage in terms of like, well, I can't believe this is happening. You're like, yeah, they just said the thing 
you know, they said the inside thing on the outside and we already knew what was going on on the inside. Um, so you're like, maybe they'll do something that you would hope they do something rather than do nothing. And then they fire or, you know, let go or suspend indefinitely Tim Peel. And you're kind of like, well, that's like, you did something. Um, so good for you, but also who cares? <laughs> like, or, or you did too much of something Or I kind of felt bad for Tim Peel, honestly, because it was just one of those, like, you know, he got caught. So then he had to go. And if it was someone else who got caught, they would have to go and Tim Peel, Tim Peel would still be here or whatever. So it's like, it's just a matter of, he had the hot mic, they kicked him out. There's whatever, there's like 60 other referees that do the exact same thing and might've said something very similar and they just didn't get caught. And so I feel kind of bad for Tim Peel in that regard. And there is game management. Um, like you said, you see it all the time and I will still be up in arms when it happens because it's an emotional game and you're invested and all of a sudden your team takes, you know, what looks to not be a penalty uh, mm-hmm. in the last two minutes. Cause like you said, they're up a goal and you're like, what the hell is this? Uh, felt like that happened a lot against the Blackhawks when they were, you know, in their prime and the blues played them. Uh, but at the end, you know, at the end of the day and you take a step back, that's, that's just kind of the way the game goes. And it's not like every single game. I mean, you can look at it. Every single game isn't, like three penalties on both sides, you know, two penalties yeah. on both sides. There, there are differences. They're not going to even up every last thing. And I got to say that I'm kind of glad that there's there's human error and stuff in some of these things too. Like they're going to make a makeup call because they screwed up the first call. They thought it was a trip. It was totally not a trip. And they're like, shit. So now they had to call a hook where some guy gets a stick, you know, barely you know close to a guy's jersey and they're like okay that's like um because they're they're humans and they make mistakes and it's annoying it's very annoying when it's against your team i totally get it and like i said i'll still be annoyed um but that's just that's just part of it and i would not i'd rather not have like a robot making these calls or us doing instant replay on everything and yada yada it's just like hey let humans manage this human game but also there is the slippery slope and the fine line of being like, Hey, we can't have guys, um, you know, cooking the books as it were with calls or like, Oh, you know, Blackhawks generate a lot of views, a lot of viewership for NBC and the NHL. So I guess got to give them this, got to give them a couple, you know, penalties to go in the other way, you know, get them into the next round sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You'll hear that from lots of fans from, you know, different fan bases being like, Oh, you know, that happens with Boston. That happens with Chicago happens with Toronto or whatever, but it's like, I don't think we're in the NBA's league right now in terms of like historically cooking, cooking the calls. Um, but what was exposed here was something we all already knew happened. And so I guess in that regard, I, I just felt bad for Tim Peel because I was like, well, we knew it and you knew it and they knew it, but because we all played this game of pretending not to know it. And now that's been slightly shattered. Someone has to go. So it's you. Yeah, um, I I have a lot of thoughts, and now I'm going to say all of them. Uh, first, first of all, is that, you, is that how you did your papers in the high school <laughs> college? <laughs> this I is the introduction. I, got, <laughs> I always wonder why I got D's in English. <laughs> you are now listening to an essay. Actually, you're reading an essay because that's how essays work. Um, I'm not wishing for anyone to lose their job. 
a classic start to a sentence. <laughs> a great transition into your second yeah. paragraph. <laughs> right, exactly. But they didn't really do anything. <laughs> no, no, it was all for <laughs> they, show. They pulled a guy off games who was going to retire in two months anyway and missed all of last year because he broke his freaking leg. Uh, this guy in the past year has gotten caught on a hot mic in a century fire, broken his leg in a game, and scored a, pu- a goal with his dick. <laughs> and, we're, and we're supposed to pretend he's not the most interesting man in the world. And those are yeah, so those were all just in Blues games. Think, yeah, for the that's the trifecta. <laughs> that's the referee, the referee triple crown. <laughs> <laughs> but so I have a I have a really strong suspicion that nothing happens if he if the clip hadn't contained an f bomb. I can't, I texted you about this today and I can't remember if you responded, but like I just which is is ridiculous, but it just feels like the sort of NHL like family friendly. You know, they just announced this big deal to go to ESPN and they're so in the pocket of the gamblers right now, which I don't mm. even really care about, but like. They've got to maintain that patina of of credibility, if you will. Um, and so frustrating. But the bigger thing is Colin Campbell specifically is a guy who has emailed referees to not to tell them to not call penalties on his son when he was in the NHL. That is a thing he actually did. And for that to be the guy that is commenting about the integrity of the game is just like, what are you doing, NHL? What are you doing? That's so crazy, um, though. That's like uh, that's like having you know someone like George Paros run your player safety. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like the inmates running the asylum. Um, <laughs> I just, this is not going to change anything in hockey. It only might change what referees would say when they have a mic on them. And it's frustrating for them. It would have been frustrating for them to do nothing. But I almost would have preferred the kind of slap on the wrist, like, hey, in the heat of the moment, referees are humans too. They say things they regret. Tim feel is sorry. He's volunteered to step away from the game early and retire, you know, like whatever. Um, mm. But instead we got this freaking, I don't know, play, you know, this is this, this Euripides play of like, Oh, whoa, the integrity of our game matters so much. We would never allow makeup calls or punishment calls or whatever, you know, like there's a very famous clip of James Neal taking a penalty behind the play. And a referee screaming so loud that I think just an arena mic caught him. F you, you're getting an F and embellishment. And it's like, <laughs> that's well known. Like, you know, these things happen. And I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe I've talked about this too long, but it just feels so stupid that, you know, this, this one thing happened and this guy loses his job. Not that he didn't deserve to, not that he's a great referee, but like nothing is going to change. And I think what bothers me is that the NHL is like, well, this is, 
this is an isolated incident. This is the only time this has ever happened. So now we've addressed this problem, you know, because that's really mm -hmm. the, the con they're trying to pull off. And it's just like, okay, guys, um, you know, yeah, we can all play along, but let's be real here, you know? And I think that's, <laughs> that to me is what really bothers me. As I tweeted just a minute ago when the Blues didn't score on the PowerPoint, we're, we're recording this during the Minnesota game. Can't remember if you mentioned that yet, but um as I tweeted a minute ago, we didn't score in a PowerPoint. And I said, well, you know, the good news is we're safe because Tim Peel has been fired. So makeup calls don't happen in the NHL anymore. <laughs> so um, just a, just a frustrating story to me. Any, any more you wanted to say on that or defend the honor of, of Mr. Tim Peel? I mean, he's a, he's a St. Louis, St. Louis guy, even though I, he's not from here, but you know, thanks. Thanks for thinking our city is all right um <laughs> yeah i saw a lot i saw a lot of or read a lot or heard a lot uh i used all my senses um <laughs> about the the how this affect gambling or whatever like you know they really got to make sure that they make this seem fair for gambling and i was like <laughs> 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 like yeah. i'm yes 100 because they want they want that gambling dollar i get i get that but they're like we need to make it fair for gambling i was like gambling in and of itself is just this crazy it's fair because it's luck based but it's also not fair because it's like cooked or whatever and also if you think if you're a betting human for sports at this point then then you're stupid for thinking that there isn't like some sort of rodeo going on in terms of like calls or whatever like i don't think this game was called extremely fairly and like well you bet 700 dollars on the browns to beat you know the reigning, the reigning uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, buddy. So that's your fault. Like, I don't know. Sometimes it just I find it hard to sympathize with people that are like gambling. I I don't mind gambling, but it's like I'm not gonna not gonna bust my butt to be like we really need to we really need to make the sport okay for gambling folks. Yeah, it's it's so weird. I mean, again, like gambling, the the lines and everything in Vegas, like they're taking all of this into account. You know, it's not like mm -hmm. it's, a, it's not like some guy in Vegas in a back room is like, "What the NHL fixes games? This changes everything." Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. I mean, it's all of that stuff. Those are very complex formulas and stuff that you know help them arrive at these numbers. So uh, it's just the NHL doesn't seem to want to get out of its own way many times on on basic optics issues and. Mm -hmm you know, that's, that's what it is. And it's not going to change. So why bother? You know, there's a non-defeatist attitude. <laughs> and speaking of people who have been defeated a lot, the Buffalo Sabres brought to you by failure. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres are last I heard on a 15 game losing streak sometime in the middle of that 15 game losing streak. I should say, I should say by NHL protocol, a 15 game winless streak oh, because God. they have lost a few games in overtime. And therefore you cannot say that they've got that they're on 15 or that they're on a losing streak of 15 because technically they've not, but you know, that is the most um, BS thing that you could lose like 13 <laughs> in a row. And then in the NHL's website, it says, you know, 13 losses for your streak, you know, for your streak. But then if you lose one in OT, it's like your new streak has one overtime loss. Like that's worship. That's right. Um, yeah. So Ralph Kruger was fired in the middle of all this. And this has been like a long time coming. They held out for a good while. Mm -hmm. <sighs> 
just the saddest franchise in sports at this point, right? I mean, it's just gotta be. It's, the Bills it's, yeah, are good it's, um, now. Yeah, it's pivoted to like must watch hockey at this point. Like in terms of just being like, it's just terrible. It's just so bad that you kind of look at it and awe. It's like a train wreck. You're just like, I can't believe that they're making this team play games and that they haven't just stopped them. But like, guys, you have to be better than this. This is like an insta win for the other team, and you just look pathetic. Yeah, it's uh God, it's just so bad. And you know, maybe they win the draft lottery this year when it's the hardest draft ever and nobody's going to be good. Nobody, you know, even even if oh, we'd yeah. known, it's just so dumb. It's, I, I hate it so much. Um, I feel bad for them because, yeah, I just don't think – it sounds like they're – I mean, it sounds like their scouting's atrocious. We've talked about and also, it before. Yeah. They talk. They tell stories about like the Buffalo Sabers don't do any in-person scouting. It's like all video, and it's like they don't look at Russian players. I think mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, it's they're like, like very absent in Europe. I'm like, okay, you know. And then like, who's actually broken out and been good for them? Victor Olafson, Rasmus Dali, mm-hmm. and like <laughs> a lot of European players. Who um, was the first overall pick, but also like you know, as having like a God awful year. I mean, I'm who, who wouldn't is. on this team, but yeah, it's just like, you feel, I, I feel for pretty much all of these players because at this point, it's just like, it's just poisonous being on that team. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's, 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 um, there's a legal argument called the fruit of the poisonous tree. You know, if you do something bad and get, and get, you know, good testimony from it, you can't use that because it's, ill-gotten testimony mm. and it feels like every player on this team is the fruit of the poisonous tree. like <laughs> how, how can you safely judge anyone on this team just by their association with the team Darlene as you mentioned two goals 10 assists minus 30 in 31 games um you know he he was a first overall pick and I, I think he's got the talent I, I don't think it's like he's mm-hmm. bad but you know, he's on this team. <laughs> so, you know, did you hear do? did you hear who they like brought in to be like their defensive coach now? Oh boy. Oh I think wait. I think oh, it's wait, a defensive wait, wait, coach. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, wasn't it uh it was a Rangers guy, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh crap. Crap. Uh Girardi, was it Dan Girardi? Yeah, Dan Girardi. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm sure Dan Girardi's fine, but like and throughout his career or whatever but in the latter half the latter quarter it was like not good and i was like no that can't be the guy you brought in to fix rasmus darling oh no probably just probably just like well the rangers are better than us so we'll we'll take anything at this point you know that's our that's our math equation that's how we (laughs) fix this team i was happy to hear on 31 thoughts that they were finally i don't know if they just like like the pagulas or or what? I don't know. I don't watch enough Buffalo Sabres, and I feel like these guys probably do. But every time they would ask, like, they would ask each other, like, what's the, you know, how do you fix this team? And they'd both be like, I, I just don't know. Like, I don't know. And I'm like, look, I can't tell you 100% what they need to do, but they, they need, to me, different ownership, which they're not going to get. Like, they're going to be there forever. So what they need is those owners to, like, take a step back. Because I think Friedman was saying, like, you know, the Buffalo State or the Buffalo Bills, like you mentioned, are a lot better now. They're under the same ownership. But apparently the um, 
you know, GM or like the management group over with the Sabre or with the, with the bills pretty much like went to the ghoulism was like, yo, you got to give us some autonomy. Like we want to make some moves without having to constantly go to you to talk about them or have you guys step in or whatever. And I guess they agreed to that at some point or another. And now the Buffalo bills are surprisingly good. And so it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. And I think, you know, Freeman was saying he doesn't know if that's, the case with the Sabres, but awfully, you know, it seems like that would be the case, like that they're just have their, their hands in it too much. And I mean, they essentially hired a puppet GM, a shadow mm-hmm. puppet GM, fucking <laughs> uh, <laughs> Keyvine Adams. <laughs> just like, just a yes man. I like the, like, we really, they really believe in him. I'm like, yeah, cause he's a nobody. <laughs> cause he's mm-hmm. like, they pretty much go, Keyvine, do this. And he's like, yes, master. <laughs> just like, just does like in that. It's like in Yu-Gi-Oh when what's his name puts on the glove and becomes, you know, the the spirit entity. That was a whole yeah. weird angle that show didn't need, but you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, you know how Egyptians <laughs> love playing card games. Yeah, always have. That's what you the first thing you think of when you think about Egypt Egypt is card monster games. Um, cats Ian, and let, card monster games. Let me ask you this question. Of the bottom, hold on one second. One, two, three. And of the bottom 10 players in the NHL in plus minus, how many would you guess are Buffalo Sabres? Bottom 10? I'll say like six. Uh, you're wrong. It's actually seven. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say 10. <laughs> I thought for sure. Of the bottom six players in the NHL and plus minus how many would you say are Buffalo Sabres don't think too hard about this one say six. <laughs> is the seventh Rath- person a Detroit Red Wing no actually the seventh person is Quinn Hughes woof um, oh, oh no yeah <laughs> Quinn Quinn what's what's becoming you Quinn uh, <laughs> uh, Rasmus Dahlin is Worse than anyone else in the league by 10. Sam Reinhardt oh. and Eric Stone are at minus 20. Victor Olofsson, Taylor Hall at minus 19. Colin Miller at minus 18. And then you've got Quinn Hughes, Jacob Silverberg, and Jacob Larson. Jacob Larson of the Ducks, I think Jacob. And then mm-hmm. Rasmus Ristolainen, who, to his credit, has done his minus 16 in just 24 games. So, in <laughs> minus per game would probably be in, yeah, he would be this, definitely in that bottom seven, and then all seven would be Sabres. But, um, wow, I mean... Man, if you're Eric Stahl, you're like, please, for the love of God, trade me at the deadline, and then I'll retire. I don't care where you send me. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. That's how I feel. I'm like, get me out of here. Like, dude, we're sending you to Anaheim. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I don't like, care. Go get me out anywhere. of here. Go literally it's... anywhere. <laughs> oh, how did they, that team's got to have some more like Patrick Bergwin ticking time bombs, you know, doesn't it? Oh yeah, I'm surprised. Like if, you, I'm surprised if you were you Kyle Ocposo, would you even want to be healthy again? <laughs> I don't think so. Dude, I got uh, like a blood disease. <laughs> like what? Right. Yeah, the doctor said I got too much. Get that. So I can't play that, no more. That magical skin rash. <laughs> 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 yeah, <right. laughs> I got the yeah. I got the gabric gabric girdle. <laughs> You've heard of Lou Gehrig's disease. This is Marion Gehrig's disease. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she underneath my pants. That's right. 
Uh, Joel Edmondson, by the way, the league leader in plus minus, our old buddy. Good buddy, Joel Edmondson. The I don't guy whose first career goal we witnessed. I got to um, tell you, uh, not to put it too hard of the blues, but I think think all these moves that Armstrong made, I think he needs to unmake them. Oh. I think the whole, like, don't keep the band together. That's dumb. I think he should have done it. I think I'm thinking uh, Joel Edmondson would go down real smooth on this <laughs> team right now. <laughs> and the uh, league leader in uh, penalty minutes in the league uh, for a hole in your new, for a whole, a whole new roof, hole in your roof for a whole new roof. It's Trent Frederick, who is the sponsor yeah. of today's podcast. Not, re- not Frederick Roofing. Just Trent Red. He paid us us six bucks to acknowledge that he was the league leader in penalty minutes. So we got you, Trini. Um, So uh, moving on to the, uh, what shall we say, the only good news for the Blues. I was going to say, yeah, we start with uh, good news and prospect news. And then then it's going to go down. The good news is that someday in the future, this team might not suck again. Colton Ellis of the QMJHL Charlottetown Islanders uh, set the QMJHL shutout record with three because that's how high scoring is in the QMJHL. No, not quite, but it is embarrassingly low for this dirtbag league. Um, Last Tuesday, the Charlottetown Islanders beat the Cape Breton Eagles, the Screaming Eagles, although maybe they dropped the screaming. That would be a, a shame if they did, though. Uh, and Ellis, who would be named the game's third star, dick move, completed his sixth shutout of the season and 17th of his career, tying him with former backstopper Philippe, Philippe Corderette for the all-time QMJHL career lead. The record was toppled this past Sunday afternoon in Sydney when Ellis stopped 22 shots in a 4-1, to 4-0 to victory over the Eagles. Uh, named the game's first star better, Ellis's seventh shutout also tied a single-season league record. In addition to the momentous occasion for their star goaltender, the win was the Islanders' 12th in a row, extending their franchise record. Ellis has put together a remarkable season, running his record to 19-1-0-0, with a league-leading 1.8 goals against average and 9-2-6 save percentage originally drafted by the Eagles in the fourth round of the 2016 QMJHL draft. Ellis recently signed an entry-level contract with the St. Louis Blues, who drafted him in the third round of the 2019 NHL draft. You know, Ian, I've been meaning to write an article about the Blues goaltending depth um, but haven't had a spare moment this week to do it with. But this is uh, this is cool. This is great news for obviously Colton Ellis personally, a great personal accomplishment, and we congratulate him on that. Um, but the Blues just man, they really seem to have kind of the the future of their net looks pretty secure between obviously Bennington is now signed long term, you know, take or leave you so. As far as I'm concerned, but if he's the backup next year, I'm not going to be like distraught, you know. Um, and then you've got Joel Hofer, who obviously hugely impressed last year um, in the World Junior Tournament, has had a little bit of a weird, you know, COVID situation like a lot of other people, but mm-hmm. still very bright prospects for him as well. Now, Colt Nellis is setting all these records and having this remarkable season. And even uh, Vadim Jarinko, one of the guys we got in the seventh round last year, has had some really promising numbers in Russian junior hockey. Um, 
So it just seems like, you know, it's kind of a running joke that the Blues draft one goalie every draft pretty much. Um, sometimes two. I think they did two with Ellis and Jurenko. Um, mm. But uh, seems to have been, seems to be working out for them. And, you know, maybe they get to a point where they can trade one of them. But if they don't, um, you know, either way, I think if, if one works out to be a long-term solution, then you've got your kind of pipeline set. That guy comes in and eventually replaces, replaces Bennington and you're all good. So this is cool. What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's great to have a pipeline that seems to be working out pretty well. I think I've, as a young fan, I always found it kind of boring when they draft a goalie because I'm like, I'm never going to see this guy for like 20 years. Mm. Um, but now I think it, it obviously makes a boatload of sense because then you just always have a goalie at a particular level so that you never have this big gap of like, well, we signed Bennington and we just drafted a goalie this year and that's our, that's our pipeline. Um I didn't, I mean, I didn't expect that much from Ellis or at least not this much from him, you know, especially so early on, it's, it's a great, it's a great uh, record to set and it's just a, a great and bright future for him and for, for Hofer. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know how close either of them are to making like an, an AHL debut, um, but it'd be interesting to see him at that level just to, to see how they how they adjust to to a I don't know if I don't know if it's a faster game but a more hard hitting game a little probably more physical game in terms of what's going on in front of them but I'm I'm excited I'm glad we have that versus say like signing Bennington and like I said having kind of nothing behind them and being like oh boy we got to really we got to really make sure this works out yeah I mean our our forward depth right now in prospect world is pretty lacking but our, our goaltending <laughs> depth is great and since you need to run out four lines of goaltenders every game you know we're right we're right where we're we want to be <laughs> um it, it is interesting to me i mean not that i necessarily have any desire to get rid of these guys but in in hockey especially you never see like prospect for prospect trades you know prospects always get to the NHL and I guess I guess I see for you know I mean you trade prospects for stars but I guess Mm -hmm. I see it from a perspective of two teams you know teams are usually in different development spaces and you know different teams want prospects more or less depending on where they are but like it's interesting you never see like the senators say hey we've got eight billion forwards you want to take you know whoever off our hands and we can get Colton Ellis or whatever, you know, it's, it's just interesting to, I don't know, interesting to think about Mm -hmm. to me. But I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's all good news for the blues as far as their goaltending stock goes. So keep it coming because the, the team upstairs ain't looking so hot Colton. So, (sighs) you know, you got some, you got some working to do. Oh, do we have to get into this? I guess we had to get into this. It was a, it was a grim week, a grim week for the Blues, obviously, going beyond the uh, story we talked about at the top, which is the bad news over all of this that's more important than the results of the hockey games. But um, the team's not good, Ian. They're not, they're not good, are they? They're not, no, I mean, not a good hockey team. They're not... I've been struggling with this all week, I feel like. And it's like, are they bad? I mean, they're they're not good. But then I look at like 
Buffalo Sabres or whatever, I guess you can't really compare yourself to like the worst of the worst, but it's like, okay, we seem to be middling and mediocre, you know, at best at this point. I can't say we're like God awful. I feel like there's pieces there and we, we can talk about that, that I want to have around and make this, make this team hum, but they're not doing it right now. And there's, I feel like enough pieces dragging this team down and maybe a little bit of coaching too. Um, that it just makes this team kind of hard to watch. We just can't like, have that conversation yet, Ian. That's got to be like at least a year and a half more. I don't know. Like, I'm not, look, I'm not saying Craig Ruby is like the whole deal here by any means, uh-huh. but like, he's also like part of the deal. And like, I, I mean, we talked about it uh, a little bit, or you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Like, we're recording this as the Blues play the Wild right now. Uh, there's seven minutes left, it's two nothing. Uh, wild we're out shooting 32 to 11 it's pretty much uh, the way the stats have been trending for this team this this game is the stats like there's been Mm -hmm. some we'll get to them a little bit but like there's some stats that were like well this is kind of telling of the direction this team will go well this team has arrived (laughs) at at those (laughs) at those and this is and this is it now um but yeah, I don't know. Do we want to? We can kind of run through some of these games in terms of like what the what the outcome was. But there's a few things I want to like highlight on some of these stat sheets for the last like man, I don't know what it is like six or seven games here. Yeah, yeah. Please, uh, why don't I run through these and you just stop me when you want to? Yeah, you want to stop me? Uh, we beat the Vegas. Uh, we beat. <laughs> no, 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 no. That was, no. A joke. That was a test, folks. And you all failed. The Vegas Golden Knights beat beat us close on night one of a back-to-back and beat us far on <laughs> two of back-to-back. <laughs> uh, the first game was five to four in overtime. That way we were up like four, two, weren't we? And then they came there. No, maybe we were down, but either way uh, the overtime loss, a killer there. And then the five to one drubbing the next night uh, where mm. we just looked out of sorts. So, yeah. So between these two games, like I didn't feel necessarily terrible about these losses in retrospect because i was like you know what we're not we're not a very good team and the golden knights are um the new blackhawks if you will of like the early the early 20 teens or it's like you know what that's just a really good team and i don't think we should i would hope we have more five four losses you know than five one losses but it's like man that that team just works well together that's a well-coached team they a team that was good before they fired their coach, whatever it was last year, and now a team that's just as good with their new coach. Um, I think they just have a ton of players that just work well together, and they they still manage to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after like four years of existing of being this mm-hmm. new team. Um, they have enough of a churn on that team that like I understand those players get kind of annoyed, and we heard about this off season when they're kind of getting you know you're getting shipped out even though he just got signed to a new long contract there because they found something shinier, you know, an Alex Petrangelo or something. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're a player that's there, you kind of have to feel nice that the front office is like, yo, we're trying to get like the best players for this team to try and make a run for the cup every year. And yeah. that probably jazzes you up. Um, and there are still yeah. some, you know, William Carrier's and nobodies that have stuck around the whole time. So, you mm-hmm. know, they got to yeah, feel exactly. real great about it. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like I—I I guess like I would love to be Vegas 
And the more we beat, beat Vegas, the more I'd be like, you know what, this team, the Blues have a real chance uh, mm-hmm. at winning the Cup or they're a contender. But I didn't think they were. And so when they get beat by Vegas, I don't like it, but I'm also like, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they're a better team than us. They flat out are. I don't think there's any debate now. Um, you know, I think there's a struggle this year because it can be really tempting to say, well, the Blues are injured a lot. And so, you know, that, that that's not a fair judge of their season. And I think we should finish all the games before we have a more a more macro conversation about this, if you will, and have a, you know, just to take it out take it out of slack and have a more macro conversation yeah, about you it. You got to compare apples to apples. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, but in the meantime, I, we also had those injuries during our easiest stretch of games. So God forbid we had had those now when we're facing the Knights in the wild and the avalanche so much. Mm-hmm. It just, it's not an excuse. Like we really got hammered with injuries more so than even like, well, every team suffers injuries. You know, we got hammered pretty bad for a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was significant. But at the same time, I don't think you can just say, well, it's only injuries in this team. Is you know, you just can't judge them fairly because it's injuries and don't make any changes. And anyway, I don't want to get into that yet. Let's keep going here. But, um, you know, we go on to from Vegas to a couple of game respite in california and that part went pretty well um the kings got uh postponed they got held up in um colorado during a blizzard uh and um you know which is good because the way this season has gone that's that's a better kind of postponement than the alternative um but uh you know they got hung up and so we got an extra extended rest which gave us plenty of energy to lose to the Kings four to one when Wednesday came around. <laughs> uh, this is probably the worst game in the stretch. Just, well, I mean, those two Vegas golden Knight losses pretty bad too. Um, but just the caliber of opponent, the Kings are obviously on the come up, um, but they, they haven't come completely yet. <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> It only Crazy. partially completed. <laughs> um, uh, they faked it, but um, in any <laughs> case, uh, you know they're they're a young, hungry team, and they're the kind of team that um, that just suck to play against. And if you're not motivated, and if you're not working hard, you know they're really going to suck. And um, Bozak returned to the lineup in this game. What good? Uh, I mean, always because he's a gorgeous man, but. You know, looked healthy. Um, glad that he came back. I was really worried that was going to be one of those like Peron like concussions where it's just like, oh yeah, he'll be back <laughs> sometime. You know, you like, turn and look into the distance. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, good to see him back. But that was pretty much the only bright spot here, and we lose four to one. Um, then the next game, you get Schwartz back. That's great. Uh, Schwartz, Shen, and Tarasenko are reunited for the first time in generations. That's fantastic. Love those four. I love those three. But obviously, Tarasenko hasn't quite, you know, worked back up to prime Tarasenko form, which you wouldn't expect. Um, but he's a human. Schwartz has been hurt. Excuse me. And um, Oscar Sundquist in this game gets a really strange 
strange injury, uh, but leaves the game with what turns out to be a torn MCL on his left knee, and he's done for the year. So another injury to another critical player, uh, but the Blues do manage to win this 2-1 to one in a shootout with Vladimir Tarasenko getting the winning goal there. So, hey, there, ho, there, you know, get a shootout mm-hmm. winner, which doesn't technically count towards your record in any way, I don't believe. But um, It gets you humming. It gets you, it gets you in the Yeah, zone. well, in theory, it didn't get the Blues <laughs> humming much, but they did manage to beat the, the uh, rueful Sharks again. Bozak right back out of the lineup. Um, <laughs> just in, in and then right back out. Um, and uh, supposedly unrelated to his earlier concussion, but we'll see. Um, Kairou O'Reilly Perron did look really great on this evening together, and the Blues win 5-2, to two, obviously their best game of the stretch. Uh, but even here, you look at the stats, and they're not that great. You've got a 40% Corsi mm-hmm. 4, um, you know, you're getting your you're way on the losing end of high danger chances, 35%. And 40% of the expected goals. I mean, that's not a not, not a game you smile about. I know, you know, uh, whoever, what's the one the one guy who went on that rant about, well, you know, adjusted stats don't matter. <laughs> but uh, those aren't great. Um, I think that's exactly how I said it, by the way. <laughs> but it's not good on. numbers. Not good numbers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I apologize if anybody comes to the two guys one cup podcast for our our legendary goal for goal breakdowns of these games but um but you know we did want to move through these pretty quickly infamous and yeah exactly we'll get better we promise but uh then we arrive at this final uh final completed game until the end of the current game uh, which is another 5-1 loss to Vegas. And once again, we've only got 40% of the Corsi, um, 30% of the high danger chances, 30% of the expected goals. This just isn't this isn't a good team right now. Um, currently, the wild game is 2 to nothing, and it's over. So we get shut out <laughs> by the wild. Uh, <laughs> 37 shots for the Blues, 11 for the Minnesota Wild. Which, like, okay, what? You can say, like, yeah, you ran into a hot goaltender, you played really well, but you still lost, you know? And you have have 77% of the expected goals, 69% of the Corsi. Like, if that was isolated, you'd be enraged, but you'd get past it and move on. But, you know, that seems to me, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just say it bluntly, that seems to me like a team that's going all out because of the loss of this legend, Bobby Plager, and just still isn't all that good to get mm. actually do the thing, you know, and like honor his legacy or whatever, get the five goals. And I don't know, I mean, Capo, Capo Kakonen or, or uh, <laughs> what's the – stupid guy they've got the other one the former sharks guy uh who's their who's their other main goalie there now oh cam talbot um oh yeah, yeah. I was, like, was, he a, was he a shark or did that I make that so. okay he was I think he somewhere. flip-flopped he was between calgary and edmonton but he was a king he, originally he was somewhere in california but then he was a new, but then he was a ranger i what? don't even know man yeah i'm very confused <laughs> all right well cam talbot 
was birthed probably somewhere in Nova Scotia. Um, Minnesota Wild, yeah, I made it up. They're nowhere in California, completely made up. And he's from Caledonia, Ontario. God, what a boring son of a bitch. But anyway. he went. But he went to Huntsville. He went to University of Alabama, Huntsville, and played hockey there. Oh my God, he just became so much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? And he, even from there, he represented them internationally at the under 20, 2016 World Juniors. Man, all right, I need to I need to suddenly know a lot more about Cam Talbot. But anyway. You know what, I'm okay um, with that guy shutting us out. He was a good yeah, guy. <laughs> this guy. This guy's earned it. This guy's, this guy's lived his career. Uh, but either way, you know, I don't think either of the wild goalies have had sterling you know they've had good season seasons but neither of them are you know andre vasilevsky or somebody uh the rangers beat the flyers eight to three again tonight so i guess the flyers are improving sort of uh, but <laughs> yeah that came out of nowhere i guess i just haven't been paying attention closely to a lot of these other divisions but i was like i thought the flyers would just be all right and then on all these podcasts i'm hearing yeah they're they're packing it in for the season i'm like what huh <laughs> who who the same players but yeah i mean so i put out a poll i guess this was after the the vegas game um tweeted from my hotel room my dank and ominous hotel room and (laughs) sitting above tpc sawgrass which really makes it seem ominous and not at all uh fancy but anyway um which of these words best describe the St. Louis Blues right now? And Ian, I got gotta tell you, I'm pretty proud of our fan base. Not a single person accepted a great team as their response. <laughs> uh, 24% of the respondents, which I a lot lower than I thought it would be, uh, said a good team in a bad stretch. A full 61.5% admitted that we are an okay team with big flaws. And uh, 14.3% said we're in need of major change. So, you know, I throw, th- I throw these polls out once in a while because I honestly, I do want to get a feel for what the fans are thinking because I know you and I have very hard and fast opinions and they're usually pretty similar. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. um, but I, I thought it was important to get uh, some fans' reactions to this and we can read some of these individual responses where are you at on this scale right now? How are you feeling about, you know, this team being good or needing major changes or just being in a bad stretch? Like, which of those four would you call yourself at the moment? I mean, I probably would agree with with the sixty one point five percent. I think overall, um, and the stats will kind of vet it out a little bit too. We're an okay team. That's in more of a bad stretch right now, but also there there are big flaws that were here even before the bad stretch, right? That's kind of like when people say, oh, you know, it's all these injuries, yada, yada. And you can say, well, you know, before the injuries, we weren't doing all that well either. We were doing, <laughs> we were doing okay. We were, we were doing all right, but not this, we weren't this bad, but it's like, it's just, this season was never, um, a huge hit right like it was just mm-hmm. I, when people talk about it, i'm just like from from game one it's been just kind of just kind of all right um a few, you know some losing streaks maybe a couple of winning streaks here and there Yeah, i think we have but, one decent winning streak 
Yeah. And if you well, kind of something... nullify that, then that then we're barely not even a playoff team, you know. Yeah, we had a long we had a winning streak followed by a long losing streak or vice versa. And then we also at the beginning of the season, if you'll remember, like we couldn't even we could never win the second game. We'd win the first game, the second game, when the first game, the second game. That's that's a five hundred team. Um so yeah, I think there's I think there's flaws and I think there's things that'll be addressed, but it is kind of those that point you're in where it's like I honestly I feel like I don't know exactly what some of those are like or if I do I feel like they're gonna be kind of hard to address like let's say I think a big issue unfortunately is like we got rid of Petrangelo and and we missed the guy we do I mean between him and Bo Meester both leaving you know both being done uh with us last season it's like that's a huge that's a huge uh pairing to lose even if you know whether they were paired together or not like Justin Fox has been a lot better this season than he was last season Tori Krug I think has been been all right uh could probably mm-hmm. be better you know but again it's one of those things where like he's as good defensively as I think he's been anywhere else which is okay at best you know it's like uh, one of those things where like he's not kind of like getting Mike Hoffman and expect him to be a two-way player it's like he's just right. not Tori Krug you can try and coach him being a little bit better defensively you can get a little bit better but he's that's not who he's going to be. So you just lose some of that um, defensive depth. And I think I said that a lot this off season. And then I tried to convince myself that it didn't matter. I think yeah. I really tried to mic you myself of like, yeah, I know what I'm saying. And that's the truth, but also <laughs> it'll be all right. Also, Mike Yo should be in question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, seriously. I just remember being like, Mike Yo, I don't think it was a good idea. But you know what? I'm probably wrong. Um, and then I was like, well, this sucks. Um, and that's how I feel about this defense. Is just like there need there needs to be some sort of sandpaper back there, I guess. I feel like we score all right from, from our D, but it's like it just feels like we are not clearing the net at all. We're allowing guys like I think especially in Vegas. Vegas like thrives off of like rebounds. Um and we just let three guys just sit in front of the net. And it's really it's really hard for us to defend against. I think it's just because we don't really have anyone that's that's clearing that space. Um I think that's one big issue. I think our goaltending has been kind of hit and miss this season. Um, I'm still fine with the Bennington, the Bennington uh, signing. I know a lot of people are already starting to freak out um, to which I saw, I forget who it was. I won't, I won't crucify anybody. So I won't even look it up, but some, some other blues podcast, whoever it was, was saying like, you know, this is Bennington contracts. Crucify yourselves, whoever you are. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, they were like, this, this contract's terrible. And like, you know, or I think the response was basically like, don't they're like don't come at me with this whole like who else are you going to have in goal because that's not the point and I was like well yes because I I still like Bennington but there is a if you don't have him signed who is it and it's like well it could be anyone it's like aren't we both about results isn't everyone here about results (laughs) if you're just like it could be it doesn't matter it's just Bennington's a bad signing it's like okay so who do you sign it's like well that that doesn't matter I'm like okay do you want wins or do you not want wins? Like, I, you know, <laughs> is it, I do, at a certain point, you just got to be like, what are, you know, you're trying to get wins here. Um, so anyways, long story short, I think goaltending has been iffy, but it's, I think it's not a big issue. It's not something you got to go out and look for. I think Huso's actually looked improved overall, like especially early on in games, he doesn't seem as 
as shaky. I think he can still improve. So I don't necessarily. Yeah, he sometimes think... makes it all the way to the third shot. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if they went out and they got a different backup boy this off season, I'd I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. And if they didn't, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> you know, like no, no big deal either way to me. But like the the forwards on this team, I think are another issue. You know, each piece, each of the three pieces that make up a team. Uh, are an issue um, but I don't know what it is because Perron, O'Reilly, Kairou that's a good line you want Schwartz and you want Schwartz and uh, Shen and Tarasenko to work out they've looked kind of iffy if anything I think adding some of these guys back has even like screwed up this team a little more like now that Tarasenko's back and Schwartz is back and you put that line back together but they look really off and it's just like okay now no one can score because no one's on a team that you know, on a line that gels. Um, you toss Bozak back in and out. Thomas is back and he's with Hoffman on the third line. Hoffman's in really hit or miss. Like he's, he's been better than I thought he would be. Um, but then also it's kind of like if he's not scoring, you're like, he's not doing anything, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of wonder, I'm just like rambling now, but I kind of wonder if they don't just shop them at the deadline you know just ask them are you signing here and he'll be like no i'm like okay <laughs> then you can be on the maple leafs or whatever you know it's yeah. just like that seems like a prime guide to trade and get some sort of pick or you know that's probably all you're getting for him but i don't know what yeah, I mean, moves think, you can make on this team i think you really got to make a decision with both schwartz and and uh hoffman um I wouldn't. I wouldn't even think about resigning Mike Hoffman. Honestly, I would just trade him for whatever you can get. And that's not really mm-hmm. a shot at him. But it, it has it felt like he fit anywhere? Has it, or has it felt like he's just a body on the team? You know, especially now that Tarasenko's back. Um, Schwartz is obviously a much bigger puzzle piece, but you really got to decide, man, if he's like a long-term player here. And the dude misses 20% of every season. You know, Mm -hmm. at some point, injuries are just a thing that you struggle with. And it's like, if he wants, if he's willing to sign for $4.5 million because he is always injured half the time, always injured half the time, great title of a book, um, (laughs) then fine, then I'll sign him right away. But if if he's wanting 6 million, 7 million a year, which I know he's got to, like, I'm, we talked about this the other day. I'm feeling pretty nervous, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, I'm feeling pretty bad about that. And, and that definitely seems like it could be that sort of steam contract where it just doesn't, doesn't seem great right away and then doesn't get any better ages like milk. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm less outright opposed to resigning him. I just think you had to be really careful. I don't know. It's Armstrong has talked openly in the past about, you know, he's got that kind of window theory of you, you, you not, you're constantly building the team in and out of little like five year windows of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, I think it's pretty smart. I think it's a better way to look at it because it makes you, it makes you always be reevaluating with fresh eyes. You know, and if that's really your mindset, you can't be like, well, we won the cup two years ago. We've got, you got to be like, okay, but where are we in our window? Um, and to me, I feel like the boys are at the end of one now. 
Um, mm-hmm. And not not in the way that like the Kings have been historically or the Red Wings have been or, or a team that, you know, is really truly damned with a long, painful rebuild. But in the way that we have been in the past, the times when we lost like David Backus, which, by the way, was five years ago. So that wouldn't kind of fit that narrative. Um, and, you know, other times in the past where it's like, OK, this team really needs to substantially be something different. And we need to form a new identity. He's talked about keeping the gang together. And that's fine as far as it goes. But you've got to decide if your priority is keeping the gang together or building a team that contends. And right now, I don't think you can inherently do both unless you get really creative. Jordan Cairo has been a revelation, even though, you know, he hasn't been as red hot lately. Um, But, you know, I don't think anybody expected him to be quite such an impact player quite so fast. Robert Thomas is healthy now again, so hopefully you see him develop. But beyond that, your youth is is real limited. And, um, you know, apart from some guys who could maybe help on the back end, like Perunovic and Tucker and maybe Reinke and some of those guys, I just think this is, is a time where they should probably step back and think, hey, Bozak's going to be gone. Hoffman's going to be gone. Schwartz, we don't know. Steen is gone. Bo Meester's gone. Petrangelo is gone. That's a lot of people, you know, that's, I think we've, because we brought in a lot of people, we kind of maybe have underestimated how much churn there's been. You've got a new roster and you've got to keep honing it until it's a cohesive thing, because right now it feels like you've got kind of this forechecking creative or uncreative old school hockey lines mixed with, you know, speedy O'Reilly Perron Kyrie lines mixed with, you know, defensive pairings that are like offense focused and then shut down defensive pairings, but like not good shut down defensive pairings. And that's just a lot of mixed stuff. Obviously Pareko has been out. That doesn't help give you a fair evaluation of the defense, but I don't know. I feel, I feel like I've been talking a while now, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, that is the end of my essay. Yeah. It's, wait, this is the conclusion that you are now reading, but it's well, just, just, it feels so does this team feel like very um because you're talking a lot about it's just kind of all over the place in terms of like this line is this and this line's that and they they don't have a cohesive feel and it kind of reminds me a lot of like the 27 2016-2017 team right after we lost Bacchus and and uh Brower and Braun and Perron again and stuff and it just felt kind of weird and it was like it was almost weird when the season ended because I'm like oh I guess we can't exist without those players but also we were a worse team that was trying to say like, no, we're just as good as we've always been. And, and it wasn't the case. And that, that team might end up being better than this team because we might not even make the playoffs with this team, but it's like, I feel like this is a team that's like cosplaying a better team. You know, it's like, see, we have the pieces. You got O'Reilly, you got Peron, you got Kyra, Tarasenko's back, baby. Like, these are the pieces you need. And I'm like, yeah, but like, these were also the pieces that like sucked like in 2018, 2019 for half the season. And I'm not saying like, you know, that just because you stunk that bad back then means you're just going to always ping pong back and forth, but it just, they're within that capacity. You know, we've had these Mm -hmm. players and had them not play well before. And I don't like that this could be the case, but sometimes it's like, 
sometimes you're the Blackhawks or you're um, the Bruins or the Kings or whatever, and you kind of you have this core that makes the most sense to you and you hold on to it. And somehow you just get hit after hit in terms of like getting deep in the playoffs, winning cups. And it's, it's a super talented core and it makes sense to keep them all together. And then sometimes, and I think we've talked about this before, you're, um, you're the Carolina hurricanes or you're, you're a team that just like magic in a bottle, you know, or just like, man, we had a crazy heater of a run and we won and we're obviously, objectively have a team here that's good but if we don't have that magic it's not happening Mm -hmm. you know and to me that's kind of what this feels like a little bit it feels like I say kind of because I feel like I'm just trying to lie to myself to to make myself (laughs) not believe this but I feel like they had the magic they don't have it anymore could they perhaps get it again sure but I don't want to sit on the same team or close to it and say, well, I'm just going to wait for that magic to come again. I'm just waiting for that magic to pop in. It's like, yeah. we need to start changing this team and, and molding this team into something that doesn't have to rely on that necessarily. I get all cup runs or magic and yada, yada, but um, eh, something, I don't think something, the Tampa Bay lightning winning the cup required a lot of magic. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like, I get, you need luck and whatever, but if you're an amazing team, like that's that stuff just kind of, it just happens somehow, you know, because you're just that good. And I think we're, we're not so far away from having that with certain moves or whatever, but I think we are more than, you know, just like a trade or two or a piece or two or something like that. Um, I think they just really got to look up and down the lineup when it comes to, like you said, whether or not you're signing, re-signing Schwartz. Cause if you are, um, you're kind of locking yourself into, I don't know, like, four or five guys for the next two or three years at most. And then, you know, some of these guys like Shannon Schwartz would be there longer. Then you got to figure out what you're doing with Tarasenko and O'Reilly and everything. And it's just like, what, if you want to, if you want that to be your core, cool. And I think that's a, I think that's actually an all right core. I think then you have to look at some of these, you know, extraneous pieces, these like, these um, blaze, your Samfords, your, even to a certain extent, like, you know, your Thomases and stuff, and just like, what do we have in these guys? What do we need to push this team over the edge? Um, and I think part of it too is sort of in the locker room as well. I think Ryan O'Reilly's probably a great captain. I'm sure he's good in the locker room, Shen, these guys, but you did lose Petrangelo. You lost Bowmeister. You lost Steen. You lost guys that could really grab a hold of this team and yeah. you know, shake some sense into them, keep them cool and everything. You just, you don't have that anymore. And I think that, I think that does affect the team. I think oh, a different sure. locker room and a different feel, especially with new guys like Krug and Clifford and, and Hoffman all in there, it just sets a different tone. And maybe that's one that works and just needs more time over the next couple of years, but it's also one that isn't, doesn't seem to be working now from the outside from someone obviously that doesn't have that much information on it, but it just seems like, yeah. seems like there's not the perfect mix here. And like you said, they're all just little pieces. If I had to say it's very much like um, when Paul Hollywood tastes something and he says, you know what? <laughs> I think, I think you're bang on with your flavors, but the texture is just all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I love it. That's, that's a classic uh, 2G1C Hollywood reference right there, baby. You nailed it. Yeah. I think you know, one of the things about this team, we do we do have some long-term commitments. No one of them is going to bury us. 
when you think about like if you look at our long-term contracts and you think well the core of this team then is Justin Falk, Tory Krug, Braden Shin and Jordan Bennington that does feel a little Frankensteiny um mm-hmm. but I don't even think that's that bad to build around and they're all you know they're all expensive and they'd be hard to move in COVID times but I don't think any of those contracts are bad. They're certainly not the kind of bad that like James Neal or Milan mm. Lucic was, you know, where you're just paying for a zero, basically. Um, but, you know, you talk about natural turn and it does feel like there are some people like, I don't have any real personal issue with the guy, but like the Zach Sanford experiment has run its course, you know, like, I yeah he was great in the Stanley Cup and I'll always be thankful for that um but I would not be upset if the deadline came and they were like Zach Sanford traded to the Flyers for a second round pick you know or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just think I think he's a fine NHL player but I think you know he hasn't perfectly gelled anywhere on this team and and you know it's probably good for a fresh start for both players for both parties I think Sammy Boy is at or near that category as well um you know and those are the kind of guys at this point where it feels like you're gonna you're gonna have to move people which i think you know i think one of the one of the reasons i'm kind of an advocate for not resigning shin is it's like that's your best chance to clear up a big forward spot and really shift in a significant way, you know, because nobody's going to be okay with you trading Tarasenko or even letting him walk in two years. Nobody wants you to do either that, either of those things with O'Reilly. Shin, you've locked up long-term. So when you're looking at your top six, those are kind of three of the four guys that really make up the identity of that. I think Braun, at this point, you've got to protect and then resign if you can, <laughs> you know, I think he's been that good as long as he doesn't have a, you know, a, a really bad year next year. Um, you know, and then you can play around with Cairo or Thomas or whoever else you think belong in that group of six. But if you look at Peron, O'Reilly, Tarasenko and Shin as the fixtures, then it's like, do I, do I think this good team is good enough to lock down, Jaden Schwartz as part of that six or do I want to possibly let him go and and have the option to bring in somebody else that provides something different that we don't have right now and put them in that group you know Mm -hmm. um and it's it's all that sort of thing it's like you can you keep the band together you can play pretty good hockey probably be a a playoff or borderline team for several more years and be fine um, you know, and you can even do all that and rebuild a little bit at the same time and have a young core ready to step in when they're gone. But I just don't think that's who Doug Armstrong is. You asked me earlier today how, how I think Doug Armstrong feels about this season. I guess he's pretty not happy, to be honest with you. You know, I think you can't control the Pareko injury. You can't control a lot of the injuries and stuff that we've had. You can't control covid Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, he put, he put some guys in big roles, gave some folks big chances. Mike Hoffman, um, Zach Sanford, who looks a lot like last year's, last year's, last year's, last year's Ivan Barbashev. Um, 
some of those guys just really haven't paid off. Robert Thomas, when he's been healthy, hasn't taken that step, you know, not, not counting this time that he's been back because it's way too soon, but early in the season, he didn't really take that great leap forward in the non, you know, Mao Zedong sense. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's just not a team that has looked like it has improved and it's not a team that looks very hungry and that's really frustrating. Um, and that's one of those things where, you know, we talked about Craig Berube and it feels like to me, if Craig Berube's strength is to be the motivator, this does not look like a team that's ever motivated, mm-hmm. you know? So if, you, if you're ruling out that Craig Berube is a great tactical coach, which I don't think he's terrible, but I certainly don't think he's Al Arbor 2.0 either. Um, then what's he bringing to the table? <laughs> you know, like he gave an impassioned speech about Bobby Plager and then the team lost to it. I think like great. I mean, they outplayed their opponent huge, obviously. And you can talk about puck walk, talk about whatever you want, but that first Marcus Johansson goal was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Pathetic, you know, <laughs> like this an entire team is puck watching. I've never seen an NHL player that all alone for a goal. You know, I mean, that was awful. And it was mm-hmm. their third shot of the game. Granted, it came in in like halfway through the second period, but like it was just bad. And I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I feel like we're really beating up on them, but I think they really deserve to be beat up on. <laughs> Let's read a couple of these comments from the folks who responded um, here. Brad Roman said, uh, they aren't good, and anyone who believes they are is delusional or thinks Pareko is the greatest hockey player that's ever lived. Uh, pretty straight to the point. <laughs> um, Franklin Jones tweets, they're a collective head case. Cup run convinced them and us they were better than they were. Playing without fans took a lot of the life out of it. Injuries and roster changes wore away at the shared underdog next man up philosophy. It's not Barubi, but it's not not him. I think that's, I think that's really well said, honestly. I Mm. think all of those are good points. Uh, Lamar Oaks, a little, a little more concise says shitty defense. Um, And and then Nick says bad team, bad goalie, bad defense, just embarrassing $6 million goalie. He's like an AHL goalie getting paid that kind of money. What a joke. Don't agree with that at all. Don't think the stats back that up, but I also don't think he's looked especially great. Um, you know, he's not bailing the team out of a lot of games either. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think with Bennington specifically, like you've said many times, what's your alternative solution? It's not Villa Huso. It's not Marc-Andre Fleury. It's not Pekka Rene. You know, like these are, these are the kind of guys that you might be able to get. So Mm -hmm. it's not any of them. So what you're going to do? Um, yeah, it's the thing too, where it's like, I know it's not necessarily a ringing endorsement and believe me, I'd much rather have signed him to a four year or three year deal or whatever, but that's just not what he was going for. So it was either like this or nothing. And I guess some people's opinion was okay, then nothing. And I guess my opinion is nah, then sign, then sign him. Yeah. And I think like these things don't happen in a vacuum. It's a market. And Jordan Bennington asked for what he would have gotten on the market. He wouldn't have just gotten out and fielded offers of like three for 12, you know, like, like we weren't bidding against ourselves. We were bidding against other teams that would gladly have signed Jordan Bennington for that much money or pretty close to it. So 
yeah, I don't, it's way too early to overanalyze that, but I just think this team is kind of, they're kind of, it's kind of a depressing period to me because it feels like, well, they're just not going to be good this season. And you just got to kind of wait until the off season, which is going to be weird. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's even if they make the playoffs, which I still think they might, I think Money Puck has them at like 35% chance. Um, I don't think it's going to be good. I don't think a, a four game, a seven game, well, a four game series against the Avalanche or the Golden Knights is fun for us, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to be quite this dour. I meant to have a little more energy and be a little more, you know, punchy angry about it. But like, <laughs> you know, it just, it's a team that, that doesn't look great right now and looks kind of lost and doesn't look all that interested. And, and I don't, I don't, intend to pull my punches with that kind of a team to be honest with you again and like it's it's more just kind of like yeah that's the thing is i'm not necessarily mad at just how they're playing yeah just disappointed just like you know this is i was hoping i was hoping for the former where they were just going to be that cup that cup winning team where maybe they're not quite as good as winning a cup but hey they got to the western conference final again or something like that where it's just hold on to that a little bit longer before we get a rebuild and not necessarily think they have to do a, a rebuild much you know more like a, a little bit of a retool but it's like i'm trying to still trying to convince myself that this team is good and it's and it's becoming hard to i like i said i think there's they only have to make a couple of different changes i feel like overall and this team's back to being as good as it was or you know com- at least competing and looking competitive against some of these better teams where they've looked really flat against them. Um, but I think they have, I think there has to be changes, I guess is what I'm saying is like, I don't see this team staying the same going into next season and being like, look, we're magically better. Um, I just don't think mm-hmm. that's gonna be the case. And if they do do that, then I think there's going to be a lot larger changes come the next, next off season or during yeah. next season. Um, I just hope they don't rest on the, the whole like well see this is covid season part two and that makes it kind of weird and there's not a lot of fans in the stands and it's like well there's some fans and like and also you have to get used to this and everyone's playing in in this environment and they're when they were used to not playing in this environment so you're not any more special than a vegas player a boston player or whatever just fine in this yeah yeah somehow these other teams are doing just great without fans so it's like (laughs) You know, I get it. I understand that it'd be a little more electric with fans, but it's just they're gonna need they're gonna need something because it just doesn't feel like there's anything on the horizon turning this team around. I think that's the kind of disheartening part is sometimes when they're losing, you get this real feel of like they're frustrated and this is this is coming to an end. And they had a uh, I don't know a all a closed door meeting with all the players and they're like, we gotta fix this shit, you know, sort of thing. I like when they do closed door meetings and they just get embarrassed the next game. It's like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> How about an open door meeting? Um, I feel like that's when you just give up, you know? Yeah. Like, so we haven't even gotten to that part, but it just feels like they are just kind of okay with it. Like I get it. I understand. I feel like I've said a lot. That they are not okay with losing, but I just feel like from what we see, they just seem very eh about it. You know, I mean, even Braden Shen tonight was talking about how like, 
oh, we, we put a lot of shots on that and the boys had a lot of energy tonight and, you know, it just didn't go our way. But I, he pretty much was talking about, like, they practically won minus the fact that they lost. He was like, yeah, you know, you just got to really <laughs> put it out there. And I'm like, I guess it's good because you're positive and you're not, like, in your head and crazy upset. Like, I suppose that's mm-hmm. probably healthier. But I'm just kind of like, what's what what's going to turn this around? I'm not seeing, like, a, a boiling underneath anyone's skin where they're just like, I can't stand this anymore. It just it's yeah it, well i don't know, know rhino rally could get the sad eyes <laughs> no that's what i'm saying that's, i don't know <laughs> if that's necessarily inspiring ryan <laughs> lost my c for the game I, I just added a chart to the bottom of this of these notes that mm. i stumbled across on uh money puck holy damn jordan Cairo is just insane <laughs> it's a goals versus expected goals chart and most of the team is bunched in the you know, very middle of this. And the top right quadrant, which is the sniper, Jordan Cairo is just all the way up in the top right, <laughs> all by his lonesome. Braden Shen is the next closest player, and he's like two grids away. It's insane. Um, so, you know, that's, I think Jordan Cairo has probably been the best story for the Blues all season. Mm-hmm. Um, just in t- just overall, you know, there's <laughs> another chart down here of, you know, expected goals over time. Um, and Cairo is just consistently outperformed the whole team. Um, he's got 5.96. Shen is closest with 5.39. Samford, to his credit, third on the team with 4.61. Um, but just, yeah, I mean, Cairo has been a bright spot. Falk has been a bright spot for the most part, although I don't think he looks as good as he has, you know, um, he had early in the season, but I think he's, he's been fine um, and much improved from last year. But yeah, I mean, even, even if you look down at into individual narratives, it's not, there's not a lot to be super positive about Perron, Kairou, Shin, you know, Shins look mm-hmm. real good. That's probably being overlooked, honestly, given the contract that he's on. Uh, if we're just going to be shitting on bad contracts, you know, Shins looked, Shins looked great. And so it's nice to know that he's here for a while. Um, I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like if you look at this team and you say, if, if, if Colton Pareko is here, let's just say Colton Pareko. If Colton Pareko is here and fully healthy, do I really believe that they're a substantially better team? My answer is certainly no. How do you feel about that? No, I mean, I think they're they're slightly better with a healthy Pareko. But I just – that's the thing that I don't want to rest on either, and I feel like a lot of fans could easily fall into the trap of, like, well, our number one defenseman is hurt, so what are you going to do? And it's like, eh, our number one defenseman isn't really a number one defenseman to begin with. So yeah, he's in it by, by force, not by, not by uh, rank or by earning it necessarily. He's, a, he's fine, but it's just that's not the end-all, be-all of this season. I think you're going to be very disappointed when he is healthy and this team is still kind of middling at best. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I just don't think there's I don't think the injuries have been the end of the world for this team and it's been tough, but it's not it's just not 
that's not the whole narrative. And I think it would be a big mistake to go into next year and just be like, well, at least we'll be healthy and we'll have fans. And then it's like the same crappy team. And then you fire a coach and you start that whole saga all over again. And it's just like, then you win the cup, obviously. That's right. (laughs) You just jumpstart all that a year and fire the coach right now. No, but if you jumpstart that by, um, you know, by at least trying to address the team and making them better, um, you know, I think, I think that's, that's at least improvement and mm-hmm. something to get, I don't know, something to get excited about. I think Billy Huso, yeah. by the way, probably right around 10th in the league on save percentage on unblocked shots. So, you know, see, nah, not bad. Don't sleep on them. So I was looking Don't at the sleep schedule. On Billy Huso, Jordan Bennington is just a minus point. 002 <laughs> minus save percentage above expected, which compared to some people in this league, not that bad. He's Go fine. ahead. I was gonna say I'm looking at the schedule and it looks like so if we if we stick to our recording schedule of like trying to do it on Thursdays, our next one will only have two games, but they'll both be against the ducks, so it'll probably be positive because hopefully those are winners, you know. Um, yeah, obviously. And then the, yes. And then the the week after that will be four games and all and yeah, four games and two will be against the Avalanche, two will be against uh, the Golden Knights and that will be folks the last episode um mm-hmm. of the two guys on cut podcast. That's yeah, I think that'll be the end of us. Speak again after that ever ever again. Uh yeah, it's 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 a bad stretch to end the season. It's a really bad situation that the Blues find themselves in and I just hope that they I Man. hope that they find something. I hope they find a spark. Um, Unbelievable! <laughs> just go ahead There's, and read it. Just go. I was ahead like, and say yeah. It. So we have no. So we have no. We have those two games against the Ducks. Then it's Avs, Avs, uh, Knights, Knights, Wild, 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 Avs, Coyotes. One more time. Ooh, our old nemesis. And then back mm. to Avs, 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 Wild, 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 Wild. Um, two Anaheim ones, and then. The Knights of the Knights. So we have four games against the Ducks and one game against the Coyotes, and the rest are against the three teams above us. <laughs> oh boy. Wolf. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know that they make the playoff. Uh, I hoped that, you know, not to not to make it into a thing, but I hope that. <laughs> that the loss of Bobby Plager would kind of spark them and awaken them. And they, they have really good numbers tonight, but I just don't think the team is there to make them overcome the hurdles. Uh, and we'll see, we'll see. And like you said, next week, hopefully a lot more positive because we play crappy teams before we get out of here, just should, should nod to the fact that Ray Burley reached his 2000 game oh, yeah. milestone. Uh, you don't think about the trainers a lot, but obviously when you've been around that long, that's somebody that the team and the organization and the players really ex- respect, uh, you know, a guy, it's almost like a, like just feels very, very right that, you know, it's like, oh, blues trainer Ray Barilli. Like if you ever said blues trainer Scott Wedgwood, you'd be like, what? Huh? Huh? <laughs> like, so, you know, just tribute to him. Shout out to our old friend, friend of the pod, Ray Barilli. Uh, he would never speak to this podcast in a million years, but you know, we'll get him. We'll uh, get him on. We we'll get him on next week. Scotch tape. That's right, Ray. Come on down if you're listening. Give the old two guys one cup show a holler, and we'll get you on here. 
Uh, it is yeah. it is funny to uh, look at old videos of like uh, Blues games, and I think there's I think I was watching some old playoff game where like Demetra scored like overtime goal, and it was like in the nineties, and there he is on the bench celebrating. I'm like, are you like a time lord? Like, how are you still there? He's like, yeah. I've been here since the Blues since they made the Checker Dome. <laughs> I've always I been the here. Blues. I created. <laughs> I am Bob Plager. Um, yeah, a veteran scored a 721st goal, you know, so he's also good at hockey. I think that's it. I don't think we need to go into the Volkov trade real deeply or anything else. So I think we can just call it. It's been a little bit of a grim, dour podcast. Sadly, you know, once again, the, the passing of, of Bob Plager is obviously something we're all thinking about and thoughts and prayers with his family and everyone who's affected by that. But um, hasn't been a hasn't been a real cheery time to be a Blues fan for a number of reasons. So hopefully, next week they can pick up a couple wins and we can be a little more positive. But in the meantime, from my, you know, essentially a slumlord hotel that <laughs> overlooks a a PGA golf stop, a very a very famous PGA golf stop, like many slumlord hotels. Uh, Ian, any final thoughts for the listeners? Um, you know, just just. Stay, stay safe out there. I don't know. <laughs> like a real parent, you know, make sure you bring a jacket, especially <laughs> in these times. You know what I mean? Like it's spring. True. It's that sunny out. You're in the sun. Yeah, it's great. Then it's raining and then it's cold. And you catch cold. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So don't catch a cold. Uh, don't, don't do that. And uh, we'll talk to you all real soon, folks. You have a great night. Uh, love you. Happy and Palm Sunday, <laughs> uh, you know, which Palm Sunday, great, great Sunday. You get to wave the palm fronds. It's all good. I will say this real quick, real quick before we go, we can end on a more positive note. I have been in Florida more in my life this year than I have ever been in any state other than my home state, maybe ever. Um, but there is still a part of me that will occasionally look out a window while I'm down here and see a palm tree and my brain will just break. I will just go, <laughs> excuse me, what? <laughs> what? What is that? Who is that? What is that? Uh, also, Ian, have you ever stared at a giraffe too long and it starts to break your brain? Because you look at a giraffe, you see a picture of a giraffe and you're like, that's a giraffe, you know, because you know mm -hmm. what a giraffe looks like. It's like identified in your brain as a giraffe. But if mm. for one second you start to think about the component parts of that animal, I, I guarantee you it will just blow your mind. You'll just be like, <laughs> why, does it, why is its neck like that? Why does it have little like, like antenna-like horns, but not really? Why mm. are its legs so dangly? But why has it got like a big fat belly too for some reason? Like what, what in God's name allowed this to be created? Um, so those are my two deep thoughts. <laughs> I mean, my it two, is, my two it is kind thoughts. of a brain breaking animal, right? I mean, it is, you look at a horse and that that's a horse, you know, it makes sense. But you look at a giraffe and you're like, you can't even be like, that's just a horse with a long neck, you know, cause the rest of it's real weird. Like it so, had to yeah. keep evolving and had to like keep evolving to get reach higher and higher. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. What, but then would the plants not evolve to grow higher so it wouldn't eat its leaves and then it would Ooh. grow to like 
look, I don't, I'm not an evolutionist or whatever those people <laughs> are. But look, I'm just I saying, don't believe in evolution. <laughs> folks, look, look, dinosaurs are fake. That's um, right. I don't Lock believe in this monster stuff. is real. <laughs> Very real. Very real. In fact, it's fixing NHL games. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was like it was one of those things. Where I'm like, man, it kept getting taller and taller. Why didn't Why didn't your species just like die instead? <laughs> Which is probably all the other ones that did. But it's like, man, why Why are you the only tall one? Why aren't there like variations? You know how there's like a billion different kinds of like bears, I guess. You know, probably not a billion, <laughs> but there's a lot. That's the first thing yeah. I think of. I don't know why bears. One like, billion come, different kinds. <laughs> you know, like there's like. There's a, yeah, there's a Yorkie bear and there's like, you know, there's mama bear, there's papa bear. Yeah. <laughs> so many bears, bear and Austra- bears. Australian shepherd bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got a Siamese bear. Um, <laughs> how come there's not various, there's not various giraffes? They're just like, that's a giraffe. I'm like, what kind of giraffe? Oh, they're like Ian, they're, the kind. But there are. What? That's, but they don't tell you about it. Oh, nobody cares. I see. This is like but how you don't uh, learn anything about Africa and like in geography or history because like, well, there's that place. There's the northern giraffe, the reticulated giraffe, the Maasai giraffe, my personal favorite, the Rothschild's giraffe, um, as well as the West African giraffe and the Cordofan giraffe. So yeah, uh, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Oh, Which, I, le- I learned you- more in that sentence today than I did all day. <laughs> well, you know, I like to be, I uh, like to help you out. Ooh, Nubian and Angolan as well. So, uh, Maasai giraffes by far the most common, most popular, followed by reticulated Rothschilds, uh, you know, further down the list. But giraffes are fun. We're all, we're a big fan of giraffes here. I mean, we'd never mock somebody for looking different unless it's Pat Maroon, because that guy, you know, not very smart. But, um, <laughs> You know. down hero baby <laughs> but oh i'm looking at one again and it's doing to me it's doing it to me again it just it keeps it keeps stretching it's like a thing oh, no. and then it's another thing and then it's a third thing and it really up it deeply upsets me the more is, i think about it see uh as a draft for like your um your night terror thing you know is that what you see in your room <laughs> Your sleep paralysis demon. When I wake up, it's just like a a very cute, adorable giraffe. And then if you get up close to its face, it's got like a camel face too. It's like every every part of it is weird, and I don't like any part of it. Have you seen them fight before, where they like swing their necks at each other? Yeah, that also isn't okay. I don't like that. I think that's my least favorite. I also don't like Ian. I saw one once. I, I got to a zoo, a Memphis zoo. We traveled down there to see pandas because the St. Louis Zoo didn't have them. It's perfectly normal. People do this all the time. And uh, <laughs> we got there and they're like, hey, are you here to see the giraffe? And we're like, I guess, <laughs> you know, because animal zoos have those too. And I'm like, no, oh, no, the giraffe was just born like five hours ago. And this little go-getter, Ian, was already like up and walking around with them long, oh, yeah. gangly legs. They you ever be think able about to. how humans give birth way too soon? <laughs> like their <laughs> children couldn't provide for themselves at all, uh, even sort of. So, you know, giraffes had that going for them, I guess. It's those but, big brains, man. Too big, I say. That's right. Uh, 
Oh, no, I just read a headline that says baby giraffe dies at Tennessee Zoo. I'm assuming not the same one. But, oh, no. uh, you know, well, it's just it's giraffes. This episode has been a lot about giraffes, more than I expected it to be. I'm glad, hopefully, we could give folks a little bit of positivity. Go look at one, folks. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm crazy. You can't. They're weird looking. Uh, you're all weird looking too, but we love you anyway. Ian, any <laughs> final words for the listeners, the strange looking listeners? I think you're all beautiful. That's all right. Yeah. To our reticulated <laughs> listeners and our Rothschild listeners, good night, everybody. Good night. I'm an Amrigo, a German am I? Never. Baby, 